Welcome to A Journey Through the Message. My name is Robert. And my name is Heidi. And we are so glad that you are here. We're going to have the text down below that we're reading from. And if you're just joining us, the message version is just a paraphrase of the Bible. Easy to read, sometimes brings a little different light to some verses, and we enjoy just the conversation back and forth, and we hope that you are blessed by it as well. Or at least get a good laugh out of it. We'll take some of that, too. It's either laughs or blessings, either one. I mean... Both would be great. Both are great. Yes. Is that blaffing? Blaffing? Yeah. Blaff away. <laughs> well, we're going to get started here with a quick prayer, and then Heidi will get us going. So, Father God, thank you for another day. I was reminded again today just how good you have been to me and just the things that you have brought me through. And it's through service to other people that I'm reminded of just how good that you've been to me over the years and how you've protected me, how you've guided me. And God, I just ask that you open up someone's heart and mind today to just be receptive to what God's word has to say to their life and meet them exactly where they're at. Absolutely. This is a come as you are kind of God and we sure want to imagine there's a lot of people coming to talk Absolutely. with Jesus. And you are welcome at our table. So just envision that you're sitting at the table with us and we're just having a little conversation about this amazing book called the Bible. So Father God, thanks for giving us the opportunity to do that. I ask this all in your holy name, I pray. Amen. Amen. All right. Okay, what are we reading today? We husband? are reading, we're starting out in Matthew, and you're starting out Matthew 7. Starting at 15. All right, here we go. This is titled Being and Doing. Verse 15. Be wary of false preachers who smile a lot, dripping with practice sincerity. Chances are they are out to rip you off some way or other. Don't be impressed with charisma. Look for character. Who preachers are is the main thing, not what they say. A genuine leader will never exploit your emotions or your pocketbook. These diseased trees with their bad apples are going to be chopped down and burned. Knowing the correct password, saying master, master, for instance, isn't going to get you anywhere with me. What is required is serious obedience, doing what my father wills. I can see it now. At the final judgment, thousands strutting up to me and saying, Master, we preached the message. We bashed the demons. Our super spiritual projects had everyone talking. And do you know what I am going to say? You missed the boat. All you did was use me to make yourselves important. You don't impress me one bit. You're out of here. These words I speak to you are not incidental additions to your life, homeowner improvements to your standard of living. They are foundational words, words to build a life on. If you work these words into your life, you are like a smart carpenter who built his house on solid rock. Rain poured down, the river flooded, a tornado hit. But nothing moved that house. It was fixed to the rock. But if you just use my words in Bible studies and don't work them into your life, you are like a stupid carpenter who built his house on the sandy beach. When a storm rolled in, 
the waves came up, it collapsed like a house of cards. When Jesus concluded his address, the crowd burst into applause. They had never heard teaching like this. It was apparent that he was living everything he was saying. Quite a contrast to their religion teachers, this was the best teaching they had ever heard. Mm. I can't even imagine being one of those oh just blessed people to be in his presence to, and to hear him sit under him yeah oh to, oh i can't even because i know what it how excited i get for church but to hear the words from jesus himself to have been there to hear him speak oh there was a lot of good stuff in there too about the character about it's more important what the preacher is doing mm -hmm. instead of what the preacher is necessarily saying. Absolutely. You know, and also an admonishment, I think, too. Like, if you're a person in power, not to abuse that power. Right. Your life away from that job or position is just as important as when you're in that position. Be the same person all the time. Don't be someone else behind closed doors yeah so now we're gonna bounce up to acts chapter 10 and i'm starting out in verse 17 and reading through to the end of the chapter and if just to recap real quick this was peter's vision where he was on top of this roof and he has this vision of this blanket being lowered down to mm. him with all of this all these different kinds of food clean unclean that's just right. all this stuff and he was like oh no you know i can't eat that stuff right. and he was being commanded to he basically said you know if i put this here then it's good to eat that's a huge change huge yeah because culturally they mm -hmm. yeah as peter puzzled sat there trying to figure out what it all meant the men sent by Cornelia showed up at Simon's front door. They called in, asking if there was a Simon, also called Peter, staying there. Peter, lost in thought, didn't hear them, so the spirit whispered to him, Three men are knocking at the door, looking for you. Get down there and go with them. Don't ask any questions. I sent them to get you. Peter went down and said to the men, I think I'm the man that you're looking for. What's up? They said, Captain Cornelius, a God-fearing man well-known for his fair play, ask any Jew in this part of the country, was commanded by a holy angel to get you and bring you to his house so that he could hear what you had to say. Peter invited them in and made them feel at home. The next morning, he got up and went with them. Some of his friends from Joppa went along. A day later, they entered Caesarea. Cornelius was expecting them and had his relatives and close friends waiting with him. The minute Peter came through the door, Cornelius was up on his feet greeting him, and then down on his face worshiping him. Peter pulled him up and said, None of that. I'm a man and only a man, no different from you. Talking things over, they went on into the house where Cornelius introduced Peter to everyone who had come. Peter addressed them. You know, I'm sure that this is highly irregular. Jews just don't do this, visit and relax with people of another race. But God has just shown me that no race is better than any other. So the minute I was sent for, I came, no questions asked. But now I would like to know why you sent for me. 
Cornelius said four days ago about this time, middle afternoon, I was home praying. Suddenly, there was a man right in front of me flooding the room with light. He said, Cornelius, your daily prayers and neighborly acts have brought you to God's attention. I want you to send to Joppa to get Simon, the one that they call Peter. He's staying with Simon the Tanner down by the sea. So I did it. I sent for you. And you've been good enough to come. And now we're here, all in God's presence, ready to listen to whatever the Master put in your heart to tell us. Peter fairly exploded with his good news. It is God's own truth. Nothing could be plainer. God plays no favorites. It makes no difference who you are or where you're from. If you want God and are ready to do as he says, that door is open. The message he sends out to the children of Israel, that through Jesus Christ everything is being put together again, well, he's doing it everywhere, among everyone. Mm. You know the story of what happened in Judea. It began in Galilee after John preached a total life change. Then Jesus arrived from Nazareth, anointed by God with the Holy Spirit, ready for action. He went through the country helping people and healing everyone who was beaten down by the devil. He was able to do all of this because God was with him. And we saw it, saw it all, everything that he did in the land of the Jews and in Jerusalem where they killed him, hung him on a cross. But in three days, God had him up, alive and out where he could be seen. Not everyone saw him. He wasn't put on public display. Witnesses had been carefully handpicked by God beforehand, us. We were the ones there to eat and drink with him after he came back from the dead. He commissioned us to announce this in public, to bear solemn witness that he is in fact the one whom God destined as judge of the living and the dead. But we're not alone in this. Our witness that he is the means to forgiveness of sins is backed up by the witness of all of the prophets. No sooner were these words out of Peter's mouth than the Holy Spirit came on the listeners. The believing Jews who had come with Peter couldn't believe it, couldn't believe that the gift of the Holy Spirit was poured on on outsider non-Jews, but there it was. They heard them speaking in tongues, heard them praising God. And then Peter said, Do I hear any objections to baptizing these friends with water? They've received the Holy Spirit exactly as we did. Hearing no objections, he ordered that they be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. And then they asked Peter to stay on for a few days. Ah, Isn't that so good? Ah, I love the immediate action of it and just the... Yes. The immediate action part, and then also just the inclusivity. Listen, if you want Jesus, he wants you. He just made a turn. Way for everyone. Everyone. It doesn't matter if you were Jew, yes. you were Gentile, if you went to church twice on Sunday, if you know Lord's Day 31, if you know the Heidelberg Catechism question and answer <laughs> 7. It doesn't I matter. Used to. I <laughs> used to, so. But it. You know, those are all good things, and please don't please don't take what I said as offense to any of those things, because they're all very good. They have their place. They're foundational. It's good information. Yes. But, but don't allow that to take the place of the simplicity of the gospel and just the command from Jesus to love 
and to love others because that is the first and foremost way that he is shown in this world. I agree. I think sometimes we can lose that relationship with Jesus because we're so worried about making it look a certain way. So don't miss out on the relationship. Mm. Mm. So good, so good. And I found it surprising that a lot of even the disciples and others still did not understand that the salvation was for more than just Jews. Still did not understand. And they were with Jesus. I mean, and didn't understand. We're talking about guys, though, that didn't like bacon. I mean, I don't trust anybody that <laughs> doesn't like bacon. <laughs> and with that being said, we're going to rewind back to the Old Testament. We are. And Heidi's going to be picking up for us with a Psalm number 18. 1 through 24. Let's see if David can make me cry again today. This is called a David song, which he sang to God after being saved from all his enemies and from Saul. I love you, God. You make me strong. God is my bedrock under my feet, the castle in which I live, my rescuing night. My God, the high crag where I run for dear life, hiding behind the boulders, safe in the granite hideout. I sing to God, the praise lofty, and find myself safe and saved. The hangman's noose was tight at my throat. Devil waters rushed over me. Hell's rope cinched me tight. Death traps barred every exit. A hostile world. I called to God. I cried to God to help me. From his palace, he hears my call. My cry brings me right into his presence, a private audience. Earth wobbles and lurches. Huge mountains shake like leaves, quake like aspen leaves because of his rage. His nostrils flare, bellowing smoke. His mouth spits fire. Tongues of fire dart in and out. He lowers the sky. He steps down. Under his feet, an abyss opens up. He's riding a winged creature, swift on wind wings. Now he's wrapped himself in a trench coat of black cloud darkness. But his cloud brightness bursts through, spraying hailstones and fireballs. Then God, that's quite a picture, isn't it? Hailstones and fireballs. Like, I know this has wow. got all the makings of a the cinematic movie here. What, can't you just see it coming down out of this black clouds and all of a sudden you've got hailstones and Fireballs and not the liquor bottles, not the little minis. We're like we're talking legit fireballs of fire. Yes. I mean explosions and, everywhere. Yeah, it'd be epic. I'll see if I can find some cool Woo! sound effects. Yes. Then God thundered out of heaven. The high God gave a great shout, spraying hailstones and fireballs. God shoots his arrows, pandemonium. He hurls his lightnings, a rout. The secret source of ocean are exposed. The hidden depths of earth lie uncovered. The moment you roar in protest, let loose your hurricane anger. But me he caught, reached all the way from sky to sea. He pulled me out of that ocean of hate, that enemy chaos, the void in which I was drowning. They hit me when I was down, but God stuck by me. He stood me up on a wide open field. Here we go. Mm. 
I stood there saved. Surprised to be loved. Hmm. Man, God, you're so good. God made my life complete. But me, he caught, reached all the way from sky to sea. He pulled me out of that ocean of hate, that enemy chaos, the void in which I was drowning. They hit me when I was down, but God stuck by me. He stood me up in a wide open field. I stood there saved, surprised to be loved. God made my life complete when I placed all the pieces before him. When I got my act together, he gave me a fresh start. Mm -hmm. Now I'm alert to God's ways. I don't take God for granted. Every day I review the ways he works. I try not to miss a trick. I feel put back together and I'm watching my step. God rewrote the text of my life Amen. when I opened the book of my heart to his Amen. How beautiful oh, oh. is that? Wow. I mean, that, I know, I can see it all over you. Oh. We're, we're in a Kleenex moment here. Yes. <laughs> but, I, a, but a good oh. Kleenex moment, because as she stated before, these are tears of joy at just realizing the depth and breadth of God's love for us. It is beyond my capability to begin to understand that kind of love. And for somebody who just her whole life just was so desperate for it to mm. be brought to here and to have a husband like you who loves me, but to have God himself love me like that, how can I not be joyous? It's just, I mean, the tears are right. Oh, mm. it's, man, I want everybody to feel like this. I want them to feel this joy. That's kind of our goal Ooh. with doing this is just to share part of the joy and the hope that we have inside. Yes. I mean, we don't walk around like there's nothing wrong in life. Oh, we've got we, our problems. But we do have an underlying sense of joy. Yes. And joy doesn't have to mean flippant happiness or anything like that. It's really just joy, knowing mm -hmm. whose you are. And this, it, this life right here is such a tiny little piece of the puzzle. Yeah. It seems like it's everything, and it isn't. So thanks for joining cool. along with us. We're going to end today in Genesis, and I'll be reading out of chapter 39 and 40. See if there's any misbehaving young men in here. Well, we've we've had quite the quite the lot. We've had wizards. We've had uh, the Hatfield and McCoys. Oh goodness, Jacob and Esau. Yeah, oh. we've we've had some interesting characters. And, oh, and then that Rachel. Oh. So chapter thirty-nine. After Joseph had been taken to Egypt by the Ishmaelites, Potiphar, an Egyptian, one of Pharaoh's officials, the manager of his household, bought him from them. As it turned out, God was with Joseph, and things went very well with him. He ended up living in the home of his Egyptian master. His master recognized that God was with him, saw that God was working for good in everything that he did. He became very fond of Joseph and made him his personal aid. He put him in charge of all of his personal affairs, turning everything over to him. 
From that moment on, God blessed the home of the Egyptian, all because of Joseph. The blessing of God spread over everything that he owned. At home, in the fields, and all Potiphar had to concern himself was eating three meals a day. Joseph was a strikingly handsome man. As time went on, his master's wife became infatuated with Joseph and one day said, Sleep with me. He wouldn't do it. He said to his master's wife, Look, with me here, my master doesn't give a second thought to anything that goes on here. He's put me in charge of everything that he owns, treats me as his equal. The only thing he hasn't turned over to me is you. You're his wife after all. How could I violate his trust and sin against God? She pestered him day after day, but he stood his ground. He refused to go to bed with her. On one of these days, he came to the house to do his work, and none of the household servants happened to be there. She grabbed him by his cloak, saying, Sleep with me! He left his cloak in her hand and ran out of the house. When she realized that he had left his coat in her hand and run outside, she called out to her house servants, Look, this Hebrew shows up and before you know it, he's trying to seduce us. He tried to make love to me, but I yelled as loud as I could. With all of my yelling and screaming, he left his coat beside me here and ran outside. She kept his coat right there until his master came home. She told him the same story. She said, that Hebrew slave, the one that you brought to us, came after me and tried to use me for his plaything. When I yelled and screamed, he left his coat with me and ran outside. She was not a nice woman. Not a nice woman. You don't, I mean, listen. And I'm, I'm, oh. Fibbing about people sometimes is okay, but making up that's stuff like that. That's not okay. That's not a, that's not a fibbing good Fibbing isn't okay Fibbing's either. not okay? No, you just told everybody that fibbing about people was okay. Well, and just I don't a fib. think it's in the Bible. A fib is different than a lie, isn't it? It's a fib. I'm going to stand and watch while you explain that one to God. (laughs) Well, here we go. There we go. Here we go. (laughs) When the master heard his wife's story telling him, these are things your slave did to me, he was furious. Joseph's master took him and threw him into the jail where the king's prisoners were locked up. But there in jail, God was still with Joseph. He reached out in kindness to him. He put him on good terms with the head jailer. The head jailer had put Joseph in charge of all the prisoners. He ended up managing the whole operation. The head jailer gave Joseph free reign, never even checked in on him because God was with him. Whatever he did, God made sure that it worked out for the best. There's a little pause here. It says Genesis 39 verse 2 says that God was with Joseph and things went very well with him even as Joseph's life spiraled into greater and greater suffering. What is the relationship between God's blessing and a life of ease? How does this change what you expect out of life? Mm-hmm. We had a good sermon about that this week. Absolutely. Uh, just about the prosperity gospel. And um, and it's so very true just how in America we are so wealthy. Wealthy. And in a lot of ways, it makes us complacent in a lot of things. Because we're not dependent. 
you know, wonder where next we say, right. We say, give us this day, our daily bread. And it's more of a flippant thing. Like we just say it because that's what the words are. Mm -hmm. But there are people that literally say that in the morning, hoping that they get that meal. Trust in God for enough to get by that day. Whereas we got how many days of food in stock and supply weeks. So we'll end here with chapter 40. As time went on, it happened that the cupbearer and the baker of the king of Egypt crossed their master, the king of Egypt. Pharaoh was furious with his two officials, the head cupbearer and the head baker, and put them in custody under the captain of the guard. It was the same jail where Joseph was held. The captain of the guard assigned Joseph to see to their needs. After they had been in custody for a while, the king's cupbearer and the baker While being held in jail, both of them had a dream on the same night, each dream having its own meaning. When Joseph arrived in the morning, he noticed that they were feeling low. So he asked them, the two officials of Pharaoh who had been thrown into jail with him, What's wrong? Why the long faces? They said, We dream dreams and there's no one to interpret them. Joseph said, Well, don't interpretations come from God? Tell me the dreams. First, the head cupbearer told his dream to Joseph. In my dream, there was a vine in front of me with three branches on it. It budded, blossomed, and the clusters ripened into grapes. I was holding Pharaoh's cup. I took the grapes and squeezed them into Pharaoh's cup and then gave the cup to Pharaoh. Joseph said, well, here's the meaning. The three branches are three days. Within three days, Pharaoh will get you out of here and put you back to your old work. You'll be giving Pharaoh his cup just as you used to do when you were his cupbearer. Only remember me when things are going well with you again. Tell Pharaoh about me and get me out of this place. I was kidnapped from the land of the Hebrews. And since I've been here, I've done nothing to deserve being put in this hole. When the head baker saw how well Joseph's interpretation turned out, he spoke up. My dream went like this. I saw three wicker baskets on my head. The top basket had assorted pastries from the bakery, and birds were picking at them from the basket on my head. Joseph said, this is the interpretation. The three baskets are three days. Within three days, Pharaoh will take off your head, impale you on a post, and the birds will pick your bones clean. And sure enough, on the third day, it was the Pharaoh's birthday, and he threw a feast for all of his servants. He had the head cupbearer and the head baker in places of honor in the presence of all of his guests. And then he restored the head cupbearer to his cupbearing post. He handed Pharaoh his cup just as before. And then he impaled the head baker on a post, following Joseph's interpretations exactly. But the head cupbearer never gave Joseph another thought. He forgot all about him. And friends, that's why it's important to know your way around the kitchen. Oh. I mean, if you don't know how to bake, oh. look at the consequences. I There's an awful lot here. I don't necessarily think I would have enjoyed his dinner parties. I think it would have been definitely... Like, what's going to happen next? I'm like, <laughs> and I'd be like that baker. Like, I really liked that other dream interpretation a whole lot better than the one I got. 
Right. Yeah. Can I have uh, my job back? Or Yeah. I mean, and do party guests expect that kind of entertainment at dinner parties? Because I don't provide that, nor would I. I could, mm -mm. yeah. I mean, how cool would it be, though, to get an invitation and say, listen, we're going to feed you really great tonight, but there's, you know, we're going to have 10 people over and two of them are just not going to go home. So the baker had a dream and is going to meet his faith. So wear your ponchos. It might be a little. It might be. And uh, friends, these are the musings of us while we go through the Bible. And we are happy to have you along. So thanks again for joining along on this day number 18 of reading through the message. Thank you, God, for having a sense of humor. We love laughing with God because yes, we, do. we know that he laughs with us. Yes. So thanks again for joining along. We'll see you next time for episode number 19. See you then.